weekend it was. Good day to you on Monday. Monday leading into our Memorial Day weekend. We've made it. Five months in, six months coming up. Can't believe we're already uh, just about creeping up on the halfway point of 2022. It seems unfathomable. Like we just turned the corner coming out of the pandemic. And, uh, well, if you want to consider it that, because now mandates are going back into place. But uh, nevertheless, it's just so weird that we're already halfway through the season, halfway through the year. Uh, Brewers yesterday, the biggest news necessarily was not the loss, but more so the loss. And we'll have to wait and see what the, uh, the update is on Freddie Peralta. But Freddie Peralta with some shoulder soreness. Uh, so he ends up heading to the injury list, almost guaranteed. Uh, he left in the fourth inning, took an 8-2 to two loss yesterday. Shoulder tightness is technically what they called it. And they said, uh, according to Freddie Peralta, hopefully it's nothing big or crazy. It's just part of the game. We'll see what happens. Peralta left allowing uh, uh, a run-scoring double to Lane Thomas during that six-run outburst in the fourth inning. It just didn't look good. Uh, and then Omar Narvaez had said, I thought in the second inning he didn't have the same life on his fastball. And in the third inning, I went out to see how he felt. I asked him how he was feeling, and he said he was a little tight. I told him there's no point this early in the season trying to be a hero. And then uh, the fourth inning came, and obviously we know what happened after that. So Brewers lose the game, but hopefully they don't lose their pitcher for any ex- uh, extended length of time. So that was the, the really kind of the big news coming out of yesterday. Brewers on the road tonight. Uh, they begin a uh, longer road trip. They're out in San Diego, taking on the Padres beginning a little bit later on this evening. But uh, yesterday, they ended up taking it on the chin and ended up losing to the Nationals. Two out of three, they ended up beating the Nationals. So solid there when it comes to the uh, the overall standings. The Brewers right now, three games still on top of the Cardinals, 26-15, and 15, 11 games over 500, and still uh, playing well, playing good baseball. But... Um, but now you got to kind of raise an eyebrow because one of the strengths of this this team has been that pitching staff that has been so stellar. And if you start to see any kind of a, a deterioration in that, that's when your eyebrow begins to go up thinking, okay, what was your strength and your fallback, we'll say, if the offense didn't carry you and they weren't hitting and it was sporadic and, you know, at least the pitching has been really, really good. Well, your first – Let's hope it's not significant. Let's hope it's just mere tightness. Let's hope it's just, you know, like the dead arm thing coming out of spring training and you just need a little rest a couple of weeks and you're coming back and you're good to go. Uh, but once you get into shoulder tightness, it is, um, yeah, it's it's not not great. But knock on wood that the prognostication is far worse than the actual, it will say injury or soreness at this point. There you go. Uh, how was your weekend, Ben? Did you have a good weekend? I know you're doing the morning show all the way through Thursday, you and uh, you and Nelson, because Ebo's on vacation. I had a great weekend. Uh, weather was beautiful. Got outside a lot. Uh, PGA Championship definitely delivered late on Sunday. I enjoyed it. It was, uh, yeah, the PGA Championship. We haven't even gotten into that, but the PGA Championship was. Justin Thomas gave us a lesson in never give up. He had, what was it, like a 2.8% chance of winning the tournament? 1.2. 1.2. Entering Going Sunday. into Sunday. Yeah. yeah, going into Sunday. 
a 1.2 chance of winning it and just kept plugging away and plugging away and plugging away. And ultimately it came true. Uh, just an amazing, I, I watched the end of it and I just, first of all, I couldn't believe that it, it was a Piera. Pereira. Pereira. I keep calling him Piera because uh, uh, thinking of Mike Piera. Uh, Pereira. I can't believe you could just watch and begin to see. A lead. Now, last uh, on Saturday, he struggled on 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, and even 13 to a certain extent. And the struggles started, and you, you could kind of see where he had the lead. He was fine. He was cruising along, no problem. And then he lost a stroke, and you saw him tighten a little bit. And then he lost another stroke, and you saw him tighten up. And then the the one on eighteen where you rolled it into the into the water, and you thought, "Oh my God, this is it!" And to watch it just go away, you know. And and Zalatoris, if he'd have won that tournament, I know it was fifteen minutes to play that play that entire hole, fifteen minutes and and thirty two seconds or something like that to play that entire hole where he hit the one off the back of the green, down into the bushes took a double drop or a uh, double um, uh, length, club length, put the ball on the cart path, chipped it off of the cart path out of a seam in the sidewalk to within six foot of the cup on the green. I And, and he, I know he was commended, but think about that. He didn't get angry with the, the club official or with the PGA rules official he just kept asking questions about what he could do, trying to figure out his best circumstance, thanked him when it was over. And, you know, when we, we've we seen guy like Sergio Garcia gets all pissed off. You know, we've seen Mickelson get all pissed off. We've seen Tiger not say a whole lot, just become frustrated. But other golfers get angry at some of these officials. Zalatoris just was like, you know, give me my options. Let me, let's talk about this. Where should I go? Where can I go? What can I do? What are my options? And he ended up working it out. And I thought if he if he wins the tournament, look back on that hole, the the patience and the the calmness he took that shot with, and then put it up within six feet of the cup. Uh, it was just it was an amazing hole. And I thought if he wins it, that'll be the one that propels him. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, for Justin Thomas, he ended up coming a stroke shy in in, in the play three playoff holes, but. Man, what a what a what a neat uh, what a neat finish to the PGA Championship yesterday. Whew. So cool. Uh 877-867-1670 if you want to hit us up feel free to go ahead and do so. Again, 877-867-1670. Find us over on Twitter at Bill underscore Michaels, at Bill underscore Michaels, or at Ben Z. Kenny. You can find him over there as well. Facebook fan page, go to Facebook.com slash The Bill Michaels Show. You can find us on YouTube You and subscribe for free on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com slash Bill Michaels Show. Same on Twitch TV. You can always email the program, TheBillMichaels at gmail.com, TheBillMichaels at gmail.com, and uh, kind of go go on from there. Uh, then there's the Tiger aspect of things. Tiger, you and I, Ben, kind of called it just pull out, just stop, you know, because he just looked like he was in pain. And finally, I mean, making a cut, don't get me wrong, for the second straight major major tournament is a feat within itself. Uh, it's not Tiger's consolation prize. 
if you will. He doesn't care about making a cut. He wants to win tournaments. So to him, it was more of a loss to go there and not be able to finish. But the fact that he's made two cuts only a year after having so much hardware put into his leg uh, was is nothing short of amazing. However, you know, at, uh, Tiger just... I don't know. How does he get around the course? Does he need? Because I know he wants to come back for the Open Championship, and I, I, I understand that. But that was painful to watch him play that round, was it not? Oh, so painful. And how does he get around? I mean, he's not really going to be able to is the real answer. I think where he'll have a chance is the Open, where it's not hilly, and he doesn't have to hit it as far as all the other guys. I will say this. This is a take I've been working on, but... Every single PGA Tour pro who loses to him in majors should have their tour cards revoked. It's an absolute joke to lose to a guy on one leg. Yeah. I, I'm. It, it's just... We want him to be relevant so bad, but I, I was talking with a, a friend of mine who's a golf pro at one of the local courses here, and he said, we want him to be relevant, but also you want to see a quality of life back. How much quality of life does he have? And I said, well, you know, walking around a golf course is a lot different than, say, going up and down the stairs at your house or playing with your kids or whatever, you know. Um, because if you're going out to play with Charlie, you can probably, you know, I know Charlie wants to walk because he wants to, you know, obviously make a tour someday, and he, that's the way he wants to prepare himself. But Dad could always ride in a golf cart. If he had to, you know, just to be there, I, you know, quality of life. I'm not necessarily, he's trying to compete in major championships. That's a far cry from waking up and making bacon and eggs in the morning and maybe taking a boat out and doing a little swimming or, you know what I mean? It, it's, I, I, I just, I, I want to see Tiger relevant, but I'm glad he's capable of at least trying to do this. When, and, and so for those that were worried about quality of life, there's going to be some injuries, aches, and pains. There's no doubt about that down the road as he gets older specifically. But uh, I, I just want to be able to see him walk a golf course without pain. And if he's not going to be capable of doing that, you don't want to see – you know what it reminds me of? When Joe Namath came to the end of his career, when Joe Montana came to the end of his career, when Emmett Smith came to the end of his career, when Dan Marino came to the end of his career, when guys are walking around that can barely play, but they, they, you know, same thing with like Walter Payton, you know, he could barely play and he was coming to the end of his career and you had to pry the football out of their hands. And, you know, it's, it just, you, you wanted to see them just go away with dignity. You know, you wanted to see them play, but you wanted to hang on to what they were, not what they are. And you didn't want to see them hobbled and not being able to kind of protect themselves and do their thing like they used to in the past. You never want to go out completely diminished. So I'm hoping that whatever happens between now and the Open Championship, uh, Tiger is is able to continue to rehab and continue to feel better. But he was able to walk Augusta, which has got greater dimension of hills and valleys and ebbs and flows and up and down that golf course than Southern Hills does. And he couldn't play Southern Hills. So... I, I, my question is, what, you know, what are you going to see when he goes to the Open Championship? You know what I mean? Am I am I far off base here, Ben? I think the Open fits him better, actually, not because of well, because of walking one, it should be an easier walk, but also because you saw him in the first couple days, he was hitting his approach shots from fifty, sixty yards 
behind Rory, which naturally right. he's hitting five irons into every green. That also does a lot to his leg because I you would have to put more in those shots in theory. When he plays the open, he can get around with two iron stingers and that stuff a little more. I think it's more right. hairy on his leg. There are a lot of uneven lies and weird situations. The open should be more straightforward, I would think, for him. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I hope uh, you're right because you can you can play the links style where you can roll it up and you can be more precise in that sense and I get it uh, I just can you imagine if the wind is hard in his face and it's blustery and rainy and you know all the things that the open has been in the past and then on top of it you know trying to like you said hit harder longer shots uh, although the it's it's more swoons than anything. It's just the the smaller up and down hills of link style golf than it is the 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 big undulation of fairways and such that he's faced over the last two majors. Even though Southern Hills is nowhere near what uh, August is, but yeah, it was it was it was kind of tough to watch Tiger try to try to limp around. So it was disappointing to see him bail, but you got it. You know, after five straight bogeys, it's just like you know, just you need to go regroup, dude. You know, go, go, go sit in a hot tub, go feel better, go get some massage, go get some more therapy on that leg and, and hope that you're able to come back. Um, you know, I, it, it just didn't look good. Uh, eight, seven, seven, eight, six, seven, sixteen, seventy. but I commend him for trying not Nike, not knocking the effort at all. Cause the effort's there. Uh, but nevertheless, it is what it is. Um, I, I tell you what, uh, my buddy, Grant Bill's, Hit me up today. I woke up today and I was just, and I tweeted it out. I'm like, it was just a big weekend. We traveled a little bit. We were down in Chicago this weekend, which was spectacular. Uh, and then got home on Saturday. We we're out running around on Saturday afternoon and Saturday night. We we're out running around yesterday. And it just, I woke up today. Did you ever just wake up? Cause like yesterday, went to bed early and got maybe 10 hours of sleep. And I woke up today feeling even more drained today than I did yesterday. Today was one of those days where I'm just like, ugh. And I think it's because it's sunny, but it's cold. Or cool, we'll say. Not cold, because we know what cold is. But cool. And you keep waiting for summer. You keep going, ah, is today the day? Is today the day? And they keep telling us, nope, this this week is not the week. It's going to be the weekend. It's going to finally start to get better and feel more like Memorial Day going into it. But I, maybe that's it. I, I don't know. But it's just today was one of those days I woke up. I'm just dragging ass. Let's do this. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to come back. We'll recap a little bit more of the weekend. Uh, the Brewers place in it. Brewers, no time to uh, worry now. Brewers got uh, got to get back at it. They've got a quick win turnaround uh, tonight out on the West Coast. San Diego is going to be uh, going to be the foe. And then you got the Packers got OTAs getting underway. No Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Rodgers. Does it matter? Some seem to think yes. Some seem to think no. Want to get into that discussion? And did you see the record-breaking performance yesterday? And I can't even begin to fathom that. Now, I just, I, I can't. But I'll tell you what it is when we come back. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
It's coming up Wednesday night live is back at the Wisconsin State Fair Park. And oh, my goodness, it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. The weather, hopefully it holds out, uh, predicted some early uh, showers and then uh, clearing up on Wednesday as of right now. And it looks to be a little bit warmer anyway than uh, what it'll be today. But nevertheless, it is all brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. And you got Rebel Grace taking the stage Wednesday night for the first time. The music series, the free music series, is back at the Wisconsin State Fair Park for the season. Gates open up at 6, music at 7, goes to 11, and, oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So hope to see you out at the Wisconsin State Fair Park coming up this uh, Wednesday night for Wednesday Night Live. All brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. So the uh, the weekend, uh, Ben, I don't know if you caught the pictures, The uh, we ended up going down to the uh, Mike Ditka event on, uh, on Friday night, and uh, as I took off a little bit early uh, to go do that. And uh, what, a, what a fun time. It was, uh, saw Frankie Winters. And got a chance to chat with him a little bit, so it was a lot of fun. Saw Marv Levy, the uh, former uh, Buffalo Bills head coach, who took him to four straight Super Bowls. Uh, got a chance to chat uh, a little bit with Ron Rivera. He was uh, he was probably one of the more more popular guys when it came to uh, the the visiting. Uh, but got a chance to talk with Warwick Dunn and Jack Youngblood, and and just to to chit chat with those guys and JT the Brick. Uh, but I think one of the coolest moments was when. We were we were standing at, at the there was like a little reception area. Uh, it's in this huge bank or this huge like uh, ballroom at the Hyatt uh, right there on the Riverwalk down in Chicago. But in the one side of the room is the dinner and the stage, and on the other side of the room was the cocktail hour and the live auction or the uh, silent auction. Uh, with some of the, you know, I mean, you can only imagine what you know people are donating to Mike Ditka's event. I mean, some of these pieces are like unbelievable, but. Uh, but I, I'm standing there, and I, I hear this voice and this hand. You know, I hear this, hey, Bill, and this hand on my shoulder. And he remembered me from uh, from Super Bowl. It was Jim McMahon. Did you see the pictures by any chance? No, I missed them. The uh, The pictures were over on the Facebook fan page. And, uh, and Jim McMahon uh, comes over and says hello. He is uh, still on the crutches, still has the infection from the surgery that he had a month prior to Super Bowl. Still on crutches. Still trying to recover. Uh, but just, I, it was, like, cool. I mean, I, for the, I met him maybe seven, eight years ago, something like that. And then I had not seen him again until Super Bowl this year when we had him on the air with us on Radio Row, myself and Mike Clemens. And when we're standing there, uh, I, my back was to him. I think actually, to be honest with you, let's, let's be honest. He recognized Kristen first, but, uh, he came over and put his hand on my shoulder and Hey Bill, how you, how you doing? How you been? And, uh, we just got talking and then Frankie Winters came over and Frankie was talking for a little bit. So we got a couple pictures with the guys, but just what a, what a cool, what a cool event. Um, but Mike Ditka is, uh, I think this was his last one. Now, that's the rumor. They didn't make it a, an, an official announcement, so to speak. But I think this was his last one. Uh, not in the best of health. Uh, the voice, what, you know, from what you remember of the coach, you know, from years gone by. Um, he's still gruff and grumbly, but he's very soft-spoken. He is... Um, he's, uh, I'm not going to say wheelchair-bound, but pretty close to it. He was in a wheelchair uh, when they introduced him. He did not come up on stage. They took a microphone down to him, 
and then showed him on the big screen. He, you know, he, he's unshaven. He's, you know, everybody else is there in suits. He's, you know, just there in sweats and just didn't, didn't look good. Didn't sound good either. Very weak sounding voice, but, uh, but I mean, it got a lot of praise certainly from the guys that were there, but I think, uh, at least according to the rumors floating around that this was it, this was kind of, uh, um, that this was kind of his last event, his, his last hurrah, so to speak. So, uh, but it was, it was tough because all I remember of him is the bears coach in that Bears sweater fielding questions, just being gruff and grumbly. I remember him when he was in Wisconsin accepting the Lombardi award of excellence and very much still a strong guy and, and clean, you know, clean cut with a mustache, so to speak, and still smoking the cigar and drinking the wine and everything. And uh, he uh, he just he's he's fading, we'll say. Uh, so when you see guys like that, you grew up watching and admiring to a certain extent to see them then, you know, begin to decline. It, it one, it makes you feel old. It, it just, you know, it, you go, wow, um, that that's this is my generational guys. And I mean, Warwick Dunn had gray hair. You know, and I remember Warwick Dunn. Warwick Dunn reminded me a lot of like Dwayne Wade. I mean, they they kind of kind of looked a little similar. Had the same soft spoken way about them, intelligent of speak and such. And just always, whenever I'd see Warwick Dunn, I for whatever reason he reminded me of Dwayne uh, Dwayne Wade. And then I see Warwick Dunn, and he's graying, and his hair on the side is gray. He's got gray all through the front line of his his hairline, and. He's talking about the days of, of being a running back and coming out of Florida State. And I'm like, oh, I remember that. And then I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> that was the 80s. Oh, suddenly I felt really, really old. So anyway, it was uh, but it was still a great event, raised a ton of money and they did extremely well. So uh, if you want to make a donation to the Gridiron Greats, you're you're good to go. Um, just find them uh, online. You can find them Gridiron Greats Fund and uh, and and they do it to help out pre-1993 um, veterans of the National Football League who did not get in on all that money, and they're basically left to you know for a couple thousand bucks a month, and that's it. That's their pensions, and it's just uh, and and the health care is not good either when it comes to that. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seven. You want to find us? Please feel free to go ahead and do so. Uh, this was for Mike. Mike says, uh, "Hey, unit, great weekend watching all that went on." Uh, but what I was most impressed by was uh, what we were going to talk about. And that was IndyCar. Record-breaking performance at IndyCar this weekend. I was like, wow. I don't know if you were paying attention to it, but uh, down at uh, the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, um, it was a record-breaking 234 miles an hour. 234 miles an hour he ended up running. Scott Dixon smashes the Indianapolis 500 uh, to sit on the pole for the uh, 500 coming up, but more than 234 miles an hour is what they were running. Now, 234.046 to be exact. I, I was in an Indy car a few years back. At 176 miles an hour. I cannot imagine going faster than that. I, 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 
I can't ima- I can't even wrap my brain around 234 miles an hour. You've ever you ever been in a race car, Ben? No. I it it's exhilarating. It's scary. It's f- full of adrenaline. Um, you know, I remember getting into an Indy car a few years ago, and the one thing they tell you is not, you know, hey, hang on or anything. What they tell you is breathe. And you're like, what? And they say, remember to breathe. Remember to breathe. Going around the first corner, you get, the adrenaline rush is so, so fast, and the Gs that you pull going into the corner are so much, and that's the reason people pass out is because you forget to breathe, and all of a sudden you take that breath and you can't breathe, and you just pass out. So they tell you to breathe. I can't imagine going around the Indianapolis 500 at 234 miles an hour. I, 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 because the, 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 when I did it at Road America, the first two turns, you're telling yourself, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe. You're telling yourself to remember to breathe. And then once you start doing it, you're okay. Then you can kind of enjoy the ride. But oh my goodness, 234 miles an hour. So Scott Dixon's going to be on the pole. The first lap was 234.437, which uh, the fans went nuts. His second lap was 234.162, um, and they just couldn't believe it. Uh, the final lap was 233.726, and that gave him the average speed of 234-plus. But it, it was like, wow, <laughs> to go that fast, breaking records. And I remember at one point IndyCar uh, was trying to lower the speeds, to try to keep them right around 220 or less, because it was very hard to keep the cars on the track at 225 miles an hour or more at one point. Now, this was maybe a decade ago. But now they're cracking 230, 234 miles an hour. It's amazing how fast they're going. And Scott Dixon's going to be your pole sitter for the, uh, for the Indianapolis 500. So just craziness down at the Indy 500. Uh, this one's from David who says, uh, let's hope that Freddie Peralta is not down for a long period of time. Brewers get back on the winning track tonight. What are your thoughts on the Eastern Conference Finals? Um, I'll, I'll say this. I was surprised that the Heat did what they did in Boston in Game 2. Uh, I was I was surprised. Um, man, uh, it, it, the Heat came out strong. Just strong, hitting shots, playing well. All the did, Ben, did you watch any of that game the other night on Saturday I, night? I had it on. I saw what happened. I can't say I was paying attention closely. I'm telling you what, I I I was shocked that the Celtics, who have talked to themselves out loud in the in the media about whining about uh, officiating, I can't get over how all they do is complain. They will literally watch fast break opportunities by the heat just go almost unfettered while they stand and argue calls. That's all they do. They're the most... Now, look, LeBron cries and whines. He is the king of criers. That's the reason he should be called the king, because he's the king of criers. There's no doubt, because all he does is whine and complain. But at least he gets back. The, the Celtics, I, I can't tell you how many fast break points they gave up because they just don't get back. You know, Mark is smart, just complains constantly. 
Now, we know the flopping and such. We uh, we understand it. But between him and Tatum, oh, my God, Jalen Brown? Jalen Brown, he didn't even get touched. And he was throwing his arms in the air and looking for the call when he didn't get it. Because uh, the the official even kind of put his hands up, like, what the hell are you talking about? And he just sat there and argued. It was just – so the Celtics, if they're not going to regroup or refocus, they're pretty much going to be done because that, that's all they're interested in right now is just whining and crying uh, about, you know, the, the the lack of calls. Miami leading the series two games to one, the game back again tonight in Boston, 7.30 Central Time, and that's going to be a game that's going to be televised on ABC. So if you want to watch that, you're good to go. And then don't forget the Warriors, they can close it out against the Mavericks. They lead that series three games to none and they are making it look easy. They are just all of a sudden hitting on all cylinders. Now, did you see, by the way, did you see the monster duck by Wiggins yesterday? I saw the dunk. I feel there's so many, and maybe this is just me being a pessimist at a Monday morning where I woke up at four o'clock, but I, I've seen so many dunks like that before. I don't know why everyone goes crazy. Yeah. It uh like it was cool. It was it was a big dunk because of the flight distance. It wasn't a big dunk because of a posterization. Now Luca kinda went up. He kinda went up and jumped out of the way. He didn't really jump up to jump up and take him down. He kind of jumped up and kind of jumped sideways, you know, and, and and Wiggins came in and just kind of with one hand pushed him continually over and then went in for the dunk. But it was more so the dunk because of the flight distance, I think, that Wiggins went yesterday. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. Stay tuned. We got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Glad you're with us. And a reminder, we've got to the motorcycle ride coming up on Sunday, September 4th. And uh, all you got to do is uh, find us at uh, FisherHouseWI.org. That's FisherHouseWI.org. Get pre-registered. The only way to get registered for the great giveaway, the four giveaway prizes uh, for pre-registration, is to get pre-registered. That it. That's it. Now, the end of the ride, uh, you know, the best poker hand wins. And that poker hand is going to win all kinds of different prizes. There's going to be a big screen TV. There's going to be beer for a year and some other great prizes along with it. But the only way to get in on the the Bucks and the Admirals ticket package, the Brewers and Dinner ticket package, the Badgers and Tailgate ticket package, or the IndyCar NASCAR ticket package is to get pre-registered. So go to FisherHouseWI.org and go to the events page and get pre-registered. If you're a motorcyclist or know somebody who is, for that matter, it is Sunday, September 4th, and we hope that you ride with us. We've got a great ride coming up. Uh, and just a couple of cool things along the way. We've got, obviously, uh, the Milwaukee uh, uh, Sheriff's Department and Police Department going to help us out and get us out of downtown. I know that MKE Brewing is going to open up early that day for brewery tours, and the rooftop is going to be open, and they've got breakfast sandwiches. It's going to be a lot of fun there. Uh, we've got Jesse James Dupree from the band Jackal that's going to be down there saying hello to everybody with a meet and greet. We've got the Warbirds doing a flyover afterwards. We've got some really great stops. And Hairbangers Ball has been announced as the uh, the headline act that night for the uh, post-ride party. I mean, we've got a lot of great stuff going on. So please 
if you can become a part of it. It is Sunday, September 4th, but you can get pre-registered right now. Simply go to fisherhousewi.org and get pre-registered. Um, so one of the other things that came out over the weekend, I don't know if uh, anybody read up on this or if it caught your eye, but it seems like there is a genuine um, discontent for Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Washington Commanders, and it's growing. Uh, multiple investigations into a toxic workplace. Um, he was fined by the NFL $10 million, but apparently, at least according to some owners that were quoted but didn't want their name on the record, owners are a little disappointed with uh, Roger Goodell. They are disappointed with Roger Goodell and the fact that he did not suspend Daniel Snyder, and that he only got a fine. Ten million bucks to some of these guys is like nothing. And Daniel Snyder, it's like nothing. And the fact that um, uh, one of the owners, when they were talking about the latest scandal into the alleged embezzlement of ticket revenue that's supposed to be shared with the rest of the league, one of the owners said that uh, if this is true, if it happened, quote, I think that's the nail in the coffin. In other words, they're going to force him to sell the team. Uh, they would need 24 owners to vote out of the 31. 24 owners to vote that, uh, yes, there would be um, the consensus to boot Daniel Snyder out of that. So I would think at some point you're going to have enough owners say, yeah, let's 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 get rid of this guy. Um, let's get them out of here. Uh, there's a feeling of disappointment among the owners that I talk to. I don't talk to them all, but owners who come to the meetings and are active that he wasn't suspended. Disappointment that Roger did not act stronger, according to one owner. So there continues to be that swirling around the NFL. In addition to that, uh, Ben, now, did you hear the latest on Deshaun Watson? After the interview? I don't believe it has aired yet. Uh, no. This was stated by uh, rumor-wise. Now, I didn't realize this. Okay. The NFL, once they hand out a suspension, that's it. According to the collective bargaining agreement, you can't go back and resuspend someone with harsher penalties after you have suspended them for initial penalties already. So, in other words, let's say that the NFL, prior to the season, comes out and says, you know what? We're going to suspend him for eight games. Okay, he's suspended for eight games. And then all of a sudden say the they can't come to an agreement with the 22 defendants in the lawsuit, so they take it to trial. And more details come out about even more sleazy acts and even more sexual harassment or assault or what have you. Okay? The NFL cannot go back and add additional punishment to the eight-game suspension according to the collective bargaining agreement. They're not allowed to do that. So the NFL is waiting for all of this to be settled. So if it's not settled by the beginning of the season, there is a good chance he will not be suspended for the beginning of the season. He may play the entire year before they, they even go back to any kind of a court hearing on this if it keeps getting pushed out and try to settle this in the offseason, and then 
they could hand down the suspension. Because the one thing Roger Goodell does not want to do is hand out a suspension that he feels is warranted, say, eight games, and all of a sudden come to find out that it wasn't just groping. He actually assaulted, say, five women, forced them, the whole thing. And that they didn't file criminal charges, but that's what comes out in the in the depositions and ultimately in a, a civil trial. Because in a civil trial, it's different. The burden of proof is different in a civil trial. So the NFL very likely may not suspend him until everything is settled because they don't want to look stupid or soft. And then if they lay down a penalty that is really harsh, only to have it backed up by, say, the Players Association, say they give him 12 games and they get it back reduced down to eight games, and then it comes out then, oh, by the way, he actually did more egregious things, he could end up, he could end up, uh, you know, basically only serving eight games for what would be more egregious acts. So it's 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 interesting. Um, now, according to Albert Breer, they are saying they can make they're expecting the NFL to make a decision, depending on what the investigatory side of the NFL has informationally, but. Today, I was watching the Four Letter Network, and a couple of the guests there on the Get Up program, uh, Mike Tannenbaum being one of them, saying, yeah, the NFL could say that, yeah, we're not going to suspend them right now because they don't want to come out and look soft if, say, more information comes out that he did more egregious acts. So I, you and I both think he's going to be suspended. I think it's going to be lesser. You think it's going to be about eight games. I'm thinking probably four to six Somewhere in there, we'll wait and see. Although I'm starting to lean more towards a more severe penalty because everybody that's talking about it tends to think it's eight to ten games rather than just four to six. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's part of the reason the NFL has not acted as of yet is because they're afraid that all the information's not out and that if they make a decision to suspend him, it's kind of like the Ray Rice deal. They heard about the 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 assault and then they came out you know, and said, here's what the suspension is. And then we saw the video and then they, they didn't go any further with it. And the world reacted to how can the NFL allow this? You had women's rights groups and such uh, all coming out and speaking out against the NFL by, by going very soft on domestic violence. And it was because of the video, we saw the video. Well, that's what the NFL is definitely afraid of in this situation, that somebody's going to have something that's going to drop a bombshell on this. And Deshaun Watson is going to be made to look like even more of a creep. And the NFL will have looked soft on Deshaun Watson and his actions. So that's one of the reasons we have not seen any reaction out of the NFL as of yet. Uh, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. And we've got even more going on. More going on in downtown Milwaukee. Even more. Stay tuned. I'll tell you about it. Coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Riding season is here, and there's no better place to be than at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. Go to WISHD.com. That is WISHD.com for all of your riding needs, bikes, leathers, 
helmets, parts, accessories, maybe a riding school, and all the events, including the uh, Hometown Rally, which is coming up Labor Day weekend. It is a landing spot. Uh, they have got 23 bands on the stages that weekend, 23 bands on the stage, and uh, they're going to have a hell of a party. I mean, they have good parties all the time. They've got uh, different rides leaving there and destinationally there all the time. But uh, for everything that is riding, uh, Wisconsin's best Harley-Davidson dealership, that's WISHD.com. That is WISHD.com. Again, go to WISHD.com. Uh, Bill Michael Show continuing on. Um, now, <laughs> in the Deshaun Watson case, Ben, you, you find it funny that Rusty Harden is their, their uh, <laughs> his attorney? I was just merely pointing it out as fact. <laughs> do with it what you want uh, yeah well it's yeah I, the 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 play on words i get yes he rusty harden he, he's uh he's been around for quite a few high profile things down there correct me if i'm wrong wasn't he uh roger clemens attorney too wasn't he i correct me if i'm wrong wasn't he with roger clemens uh years ago when roger clemens was going through his deal Oh, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think, I think he was. I'd have to check. Uh, but I think I think uh, Rusty Harden was um, Roger Clemens' attorney as well. Uh, yes, he was. Roger Clemens' attorney was Rusty Harden. In the uh, the Mitchell report, the allegations on the performance performance enhancing drugs and. Balco and such, yeah. Rusty Harden was Roger Clemens' attorney. I, I was going to say, I, I knew he's handled some high-profile cases, but that was the big one. That was the big one. Uh, by the way, coming up tonight, you've got uh, Game 4. Tyler Hero with the groin injury ruled out for the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler's got that knee issue. Kyle Lowry's got a hamstring. Max Struss has a hamstring as well. Uh, P.J. Tucker has got a knee issue, but all are going to warm up tonight with the intent to play. So the Heat pretty banged up, according to Steve Ashburner. Uh, the Heat pretty banged up coming into this one, but nevertheless, uh, the only one that's ruled out right now is Tyler Hero with that groin injury. So everybody else looks like they're going to play. Uh, one of the things uh, being announced today uh, down in the Deer District is the addition of another venue. I don't know if you saw this or not. But uh, another venue is going in down in the Deer District, and the Bucks and company making the announcement today that uh, they are going to be putting yet. Uh, now we just talked about this. There's one venue going in at Sixth in Michigan, and we had Jim Kazmarek on last week where they're putting in an 8,000 seat soccer arena. In addition to that, they're putting in a 3,000 seat music venue, uh, and you've already got. The Riverside, the Pabst, the Rave are all downtown. Then you've got the big ones, which are obviously over in the Summerfest grounds, uh, the American Family uh, Theater, and then you've got Pfizer Forum. Now they're putting another one in next to the Pfizer. They're going to put another one in over there, over by the Pfizer, which is... I, you know, I, it's great. They're developing downtown. Don't get me wrong. There's so many different things going on in the state of Wisconsin. And anytime you bring tax dollars to the state, it's good. It's a good thing. But, but damn, I, I, how are you going to fill all these places? And who's going to end up being the loser? Is it going to be the rave? 
before it's all said and done? You know, it, it, I just who's because the Raves been around a long, long time. A lot, a lot of a lot of tradition there. Does Joe Balistrieri over there? Does he end up losing out or or what? But um, two new concert venues are going to open up in the Deer District. Just uh, one is going to hold about forty eight hundred people, and the Bucks and music pro- promoter FPC Live announcing today construction scheduled to begin later this year, with the spaces set to be located on the northeast part of the old Bradley Center site. Now, I thought hotels were going in over there. You know? I thought they were putting some hotels there. The organizer said in a statement, the two venues are going to provide a wide variety of first-class experiences and amenities for event goers and artists. FPC Live, part of Frank Productions, expects the venues to host about 135 events and bring in 200,000 fans downtown every year. And again, whatever happens in Milwaukee is good for the rest of the state because that's where the, the tax dollars get spread out to the rest of the state. So I get that. But it's a $50 million project. They say they're not going to ask the city of Milwaukee for any money for the projects. The company hopes that the projects are going to create more than 500 construction jobs as well. The Bucks and FPC Live are forming a joint venture for the projects. And the venues are going to serve as the headquarters for FPC Live. In Milwaukee. So FPC says it's Wisconsin's largest concert promoter. So there you go. FPC Productions and Live Nation, those two, 550 events every year in uh, Milwaukee and the surrounding areas. Yet another venue. How about that? One hour down, we got three yet to go on this Monday. Just kind of a, a buckshot approach today. Packers got some OTAs coming up. We're going to talk a lot about that. Talk some racing coming up here in a little bit as well. Hang in there. A lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.